So sometimes, you know, I'm I'm reading baseball to Yuna to get her to go to sleep, which I was just doing. And um, sometimes I fall asleep, which I didn't because I was trying to sleep before. Um, and then, but then sometimes, you know, I think of things. And, you know, 10 minutes before this, I was trying to, I was trying to think of how to think about this last year. And I think so many people have talked about at least where we are a year later. It's like, um, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel, right? And uh, to mix my metaphors, because we've been in this tunnel, it seems like so long, though I guess, you know, in the grand scheme of things, a year is not that long. Um, but while we're in the midst of this tunnel to mix metaphors, there's <laughs> that silver lining is maybe the light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I was thinking about, um, this tunnel metaphor and, and other people have talked about it, uh, you know, as, as a portal, you know, and if you think about science fiction movies, you, you know, you, you, you're mm-hmm. ported to somewhere else. Right. And so it made me think about this tunnel and in the Bay area, um, there's a lot of tunnels that go through mountains. So uh, there's this kind of like experience you have where, uh, and, and there's all these microclimates because of the mm-hmm. topography, it's proximity to the ocean, different. Um, uh, and, and, and so my grandmother lived in uh, Marin, which is north of San Francisco. And sometimes you'd be over there and it's just glorious. It's sunny, it's warm. And you go through the tunnel back to San Francisco, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and then you come out, and it's like <laughs> blindingly foggy, and you can't see anything, right? And I was just thinking about that just before this because it's like this portal, this tunnel. Like I don't know what's going to be yeah. on the other side uh, when we come out of this, you know. And it's going to be like this disorienting. Um, por- uh, portal or dis- this disorienting experience and you know it it's not gonna be this like snap and and you're mm-hmm. and you're back uh to oh now this is real life but of course it's going to be this gradual thing mm-hmm. just like this whole last year was this kind of gradual um degradation of our spirits through like mm-hmm. all the death and murders mm-hmm. and um systematic or systemic problems and reckonings with those that hate and anxiety um, and just trying to get through that tunnel. Um, so I don't know. These are things that I've been thinking about, like, you know, um, of how to talk about this last year and what our role as exhibitors within that and our role as programmers and our role as uh, creators um, or enablers of creators. <laughs> Yeah, I actually really like that analogy of a of a tunnel and and I think that's something that I I think I want to hold on to right now is that I mean, I think at this point of time we've thought a lot about what does valuing work mean? What does valuing people mean? Um I think it's a time where we can question um what was thought to be normal <laughs> or what we thought was comfortable because everything is kind of been turned around on its head so I think there's been definitely a lot of like internal reflection I would hope and I think there there are conversations and hopefully um, actions to go along with it and at the same time I think there's also been 
maybe a chance for folks to rest, though I feel like resting, it's you're still fighting to have to feel like you can rest. <laughs> um, but yeah, I really like that that tunnel um, analogy. You know, it also made me think of this um, um, this story that uh, this kid's book that um, of a friend of mine, this really great long term long time friend of mine, gave mm-hmm. to me. Um, it's uh, I, I I'm gonna I might say the name wrong, but Leo Leone. Um, he's a, you know, children's book writer Mm. and there's a story. It's the, it's a book called Frederick. Um, and Mm. it's a, it's a, he's a mouse and he's a, he's an artist, right? (laughs) And all the mice around him are just gathering food, uh, in the summertime and they're Mm -hmm. kind of working super hard and he's just chilling on a rock. And he says, (laughs) and they're like, Frederick, can you help? He's like, no, I'm coming up with stories. I'm working. I'm, I'm creating, you know, yes. and then, um, and then, and then it's uh, fall and they're like, okay, Frederick, uh, can you help us now? And he's like, no, I'm coming up with stories. Um, and then, and then it's the winter time and, you know, food, I'm going to skip to the end and food is getting like really scarce, you know, mm. they're like huddled together. They're on their last grains of rice. And they're like, Frederick, will you tell us a story? You know, Aww. and then he tells them like a great story, right? And it Aww. and it helps keep them, um, helps nourish a different part of them through this Aww. difficult time, you know. And um, but it's funny because you know I think about like uh, you know my mom, and uh, you know the kind of like survivalist mentality that I think mm-hmm. some of us maybe grew up with, and and that like this idea of art as frivolous. Mm. And that, like, so I think about my mom being like, kind of grumbling, like, "Well, hey, maybe if he, uh, if he had helped out, they wouldn't have been starving." <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, oh, he wouldn't have to tell the story because they'd be eating because he worked during the summertime. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and, and so, like, I actually like that book a lot because it it posed this like uh, really uh, this real dilemma to me that brought in so many things, you know, um, is it frivolous or is it necessary, uh, you know, entertainment as distraction or, or, um, necessary to help carry you through time, uh, hard times. So, um, yeah, I, I, that's another thing that I, I kind of thought about in this, in this last year. Born in Sunshine, South Korea, Kim Ha-young is an interdisciplinary artist currently residing in Toronto. She's been awarded Relation Film Festival's Air Canada Short Film Award and has recently exhibited works at the Sika Museum in Seoul and the Carrier Gallery in Toronto. So uh, before we get into it, can you explain y- your film Sunday that you made in the Unsung Voices program? So for my film, which is called Sunday or Iroir, um, it was a short animated film that I made with the Unsung Voices um, program. It was originally jumped, originally jumped off the theme of interior and it went, and so the interior that I thought of was sort of the interior spaces that I um, spent my childhood in, which was kind of the interior spaces of the church, specifically of my dad's church. Um, so this film kind of goes into a dialogue of what I thought of that space and then what 
that space meant to my parents. And I don't think the film necessarily arrives at an answer, but it just proposes that question of, you know, taking these two perspectives and what does it mean for me? And, you know, subconsciously also asking the audience who might have also dwelled in those same spaces, what does it mean for them? Um, and for their, and maybe to think about what it means for their parents as well. Yeah, I think you also have a really interesting animation technique. Yeah, uh, for the film, I compiled a whole bunch of family photographs, so personal photographs, and I also used. So I basically kind of used this stop motion technique where I would create a mark on those photographs um, and then essentially expand on those, on those marks. So for example, I would create a small tear and then make that tear bigger and bigger. Um, I also used watercolor um, watercolor paintings and drawings. Um, that didn't necessarily pan out as um, I hoped, but I think the watercolor texture is still made, into, made it inside the film. And a lot of people who have seen the film gave me this interesting response about like water um, and kind of the parallels it has with like Christianity and, you know, within like church, like stuff about communion and stuff. So I thought that was a really interesting. I, I was going to also say, I, you know, this, the soundscape for the film is also really interesting, um, especially when we think about now and COVID where we can't necessarily gather in those same spaces. So I was kind of curious to hear how did you collect or create that soundscape? I think I know this was one of Aram's suggestions about um, taking a recorder to like an actual church space. So at the time, um, even though we were during, we were in lockdown, churches were still able to congregate with um, a limited capacity. So I know um, for some of, I think you called it the room audio. Um, I, I took like a recorder and maybe I shouldn't have done this, but I actually turned on the recorder during the sermon and just left it running for a bit. And then as people were filtering out, I pretended to like um, have something to do, like cleaning the cleaning the chairs or something. And uh, I stayed back while people were leaving so that there could be more of um, room audio of just the space without people in, in it or as much people in it. Um, and I think what the soundscape what I was trying to achieve with the soundscape was try to collect sounds that were very prominent within my own memory. So there's soundscapes of like the choir going in. And um, I know at my dad's church, we would always have a choir that would sing. Um, I gathered um, sounds of my dad's sermon uh, as well, which luckily enough, because of COVID, he started posting online. So I was able to gather some of that as well. Um, <laughs> There were older videos that I was trying to scavenge audio from, but unfortunately um, the audio was not well recorded or it didn't quite, like there's just so many children screaming in, <laughs> in that audio, within those audio clips that uh, I wasn't able to quite fit it in. Um, but I think I was just trying to mimic, um, like to use these sounds as ways of activation for my memories or triggers for my memories. Um, because I think that's the way that memory and memory functions is that we don't remember the full picture, but we remember like distinct details and, um, and those details really stand out to us, um, I guess, for particular reasons, whether if it's associated with a particular emotion or memory or like a conflict that might've um, really shaped the way you think right now. Um, so yeah, I think I was just trying to catch on those 
um, distinct details and incorporate them in um, so that they act as like trigger points for myself, but also for my parents as well. But I'm not sure if they actually translated um, because it's so personal to my memory. I'm not sure if it translated necessarily to my parents. Um, but I, that was the aim for the soundscape. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting to hear um, some of your kind of ideas going into the production um, and how you kind of executed it. I think, you know, one of the things that um, has been, you know, for anybody who is producing in this time, like it, it, it's changed all of the kind of production techniques. So did you find that was a challenge for you or was that... Did this kind of fall in line with how you've worked before? Um, I would say it definitely does fall in line with what I, what what I what my usual artistic practice um, kind of works out, works out as. I think in the beginning when we were introducing each other um, for the Unsung Voices program, I I spoke on how insular I felt that my art practice was, and I really wanted to kind of challenge myself through the Unsung Voices program by um, opening it up more to, I guess, the community by making this film less so for myself, but to other like Korean Canadians who grew up in church. Um, so it was, I think technically it was pretty much the same, but conceptually and thinking about the way that I wanted um, the voice to be interpreted, how much I was choosing to hide behind my words um, because I think a lot of my previous work, I tend to hide behind the work, whether if it's like um, making text super, super small or speaking in really arbitrary terms or using a lot of metaphor that only I would understand. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like, I think um, the narration for this film is quite straightforward, right? Because it's, it's written like a letter. Um, so it's, I think the only key barrier is the language barrier, which uh, my narration goes between Korean and English, which in some way is more authentic because that is the way my Korean is so bad. (laughs) So that's actually the way I I speak to my parents, but also in the way that, you know, certain details that I want to hide from my parents where I find a little harder to convey to them, I speak in English and then certain details that I find extremely vulnerable, but, um, you know, feel less inclined to share with the general public. I speak in Korean. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, old, old habits die hard. <laughs> I still hide behind <laughs> little components like that. But this is definitely the most open film that I've done, which is really interesting because it's made within the pandemic where you assume like, yeah. people typically think is, think is closed. Or Yeah, well, so, I mean, was, was, that, was that kind of an impetus for you to make something that you would make, you know, that is a little bit more inclusive or broader? It's hard to say, like retrospectively, what I can say right now is I think definitely the pandemic has made it, made me more keen on wanting to talk to other people because you're so alone with your own thoughts that you're, you're, you're more, you're begging for more of a response or you, um, because your thoughts are so much more louder when you're by yourself, you're begging for, you really want to like throw your voice out to the void and somehow. um, But I think at the time it was, I think it was a conversation that has been, that I've been longing to have for quite, quite some time. Um, And perhaps the pandemic or like uh, 
the situation that the pandemic has brought has has allowed for the right conditions for me to um you know sit with those vulnerable thoughts um articulate them and then finally find i guess the courage to let them out in the open um to other people yeah i'm it's hard for me to say um because right now i'm like oh it makes sense like that i would want to be more open with the COVID, with COVID making me, mm-hmm. um, with no one to talk to with COVID. Um, but I, I have a feeling like right now, the feeling I get is it's not entirely because of, um, because of the conditions, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did, did, you know, and so we conducted this workshop all online, um, with other participants who are in other provinces. Right. And so, you know, did it still feel like a collective experience? Um, and where did you feel like there was a, a a challenge in in that kind of like distanced uh, situation? Or, you know, were you in your element? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I would definitely admit to a challenge. But at the same time, it's like, I think the like this unsung voices program i i mean aram you can disagree but i think without the kind of um limitations that this year had because of covid19 i'm not sure if i would have necessarily gotten in um to the unsung voices program and i think it was very interesting to like finally see other filmmakers from outside of the province um so in terms of like the collective experience i I definitely did feel a need or a want of, I wish we were kind of in the same room. So we could, even though we had, you know, the post workshop meetings where some of us would stay afterwards to talk. um, I feel like a lot more could have been um, like, we would have probably grown more as a team and, you know, as fellow creators, if we got the chance to just, you know, eat out together and have a, have a meal with one another. Um, but at the same time, I recognize that, like, without, um, I don't think I would have met Mariana, Aiden, or Ange if the program was done as it was um, years ago, or it was done so locally. Yeah. Um, so I think it's both a positive and, you know, kind of a negative in that, you know, I think it goes for, like, the whole positive and negative about the internet or, or like the zoom thing where you kind of have a wider cast of like reach but not necessarily um you don't have like the right conditions to like deepen those bonds yeah. to like a level that you would you would typically be able to do if you were in person yeah totally i mean i remember some of those conversations you know it was one of the funniest things that is also kind of sad it was like there was one day where we were like how tall are you you know, like I don't need you. Were, we, were, we all asked each other how tall you were because, like, we had never met in person, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I met you finally because, like, we live close to each other, <laughs> but, but neighbors. yeah, we're basically neighbors. <laughs> we live five minutes away, but it, but other than that, like, I, you know, it, it's it is a bit bizarre, right? And it is this mixed bag mm-hmm. of like, oh, this is good and this is kind of sucks, and you know, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess, uh, you know, towards that, you know, um, like we mentioned, uh, the film won an award um, at Relation by an independent jury, and, and it's now played at some other festivals. 
you know, it, a, a lot of the, a lot of the kind of like experience is not just making it. It's also like, what, what does, what life does it have beyond uh, when you finish it? And, and I, you know, also how you're talking about like, oh, you know, looking back on it, there's a certain narrative that is different than what you had at the time. Right. And of course that is always changing. So, you know, now that it's been a while since you finished it, it's playing some other festivals. So, you know, what, what has that experience been like both, you know, um, to show it, to exhibit it, um, maybe for you personally, to, to, with your family, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I think, um, I think the online aspect of it, because, um, I'm, I'm, I think I'm a very shy person with my own art. So both a good and bad thing about it is because everything has been online, I haven't been in person to see anyone's reactions um, face to face yet. And I think typically that's how I like my art to be um, kind of received. I like to throw it out into the ether and say it's there for people to enjoy, but I don't want it to um, kind of invade kind of my personal bubble. Like I don't need to see like the personal reaction reactions. Um, so in so far, like I've received kind of emails and comments here and there, which have been very interesting. Um, so originally this film was uh, like, I very much intended it for it, for it to be um, for like Korean Canadians and um, uh, people who grew up within like Christian churches or like a Presbyterian church. But I've received a couple comments um, from people who um, do not come from that background at all. And they've said, oh, I completely relate with this. Like, I completely like this really feels like me growing up, you know, within the mosque and um, kind of like the same kind of too much uh, tension in terms of like one's relationship to religion and faith. Um, so I found that very surprising. Like, I think once again, upon you know, retrospectively, I'm like, of course, you know, this kind of ties into larger themes of religion that don't necessarily apply to Christianity. Um, but it it came, it, I don't know why, but it came off as a very big surprise for me because I guess because those individuals weren't in my intended audience. So I was like, oh, like maybe this is opening a lot more conversations or, you know, this is a lot more relatable than to who I originally thought it would be to. Um, my my parents' reactions were, I, I think I mentioned that they were just confused and um, actually, like, if I'm being totally honest, we haven't really gone back to it yet. I'm kind of afraid <laughs> to probe them deeper with it. Um, they're just like, is this, is this what you do in art school? <laughs> yeah, I make stuff about you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, where where did you get all these photographs? And I was like, oh, this is, uh, oh, I don't know if I, yeah. So, and, you know, actually I was hoping to kind of probe them um, more deeply when I got to see them in person. Um, but unfortunately that trip hasn't happened yet. Um, this is they're not in Toronto. They're, yeah. So they live in Korea. Um, so they're in South Korea right now. But um, other than that, like, I think, I think any first time filmmaker will have this in that they don't necessarily, um, or maybe it's just me, but I didn't necessarily expect 
this film to be so well received. Like the fact that it won the Air Canada short was a complete shocker. I remember you calling me at work on my break and I, <laughs> afterwards I was just pacing around the room. I was like, what? Like Aram is, is he's playing a prank on me 100%. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was, I was completely shocked and floored. And um, just recently um, I showed the work at, um, Visual Arts Mississauga's now streaming exhibition, and I had also won first place for that. Um, yeah, so nice. I'm just like, um, yeah, I'm just because I, I guess I haven't talked to the people who have um, seen the film, and because I've engaged the ex exact reaction. Now I'm like, oh, I'm very curious as to like what people are seeing in that like it works so well or that it's speaking so well to them um because i thought this was a very like personal one-off experience that you know i it's like the conversation that's only running in my head but it i guess it's becoming more and more apparent that it's a conversation that's running in the background of many people's heads mm -hmm. um yeah so um you know we are um, you know, we're kind of like talking about creating, um, um, you know, in this last year of COVID, um, is there anything that you, is there anything else you've been working on or are you taking a break? Uh, like, like we <laughs> talked about too. Um, yeah. Is there anything you're working on right now or anything you want to plug? Um, I can't say that I'm working on anything right now. I know, um, what I've been doing and what I kind of did with Sunday or Idori as well was I was revisiting a lot of old work. Um, so there's a, another book work called Tracings that I'm revisiting, um, which is, um, I think it's kind of interesting for the current context because it deals with um, kind of lost history of Korean women. So particularly, I don't know a lot about my family history. Um, and kind of what that means in terms of um, like kind of that generational loss, like the fact that one doesn't know where they exactly come from and how we kind of fill in those gaps. So for me personally, I've just been reading more on like the history of different Korean women. And I guess I've been slowly turning to them for like different answers um, on, you know, different issues or different things that I've witnessed um, present and past. Um, to see if there are any parallels, if there are any, um, if there are any like contradictions, which I think is also like, or I, I don't think contradictions is quite the right word, but like opposite of parallel, that's the word. Per perpendicular? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but in terms of, in terms of what I like face today or kind of uh. the actions that I take or responses that I receive, um, yeah, so I guess maybe look forward to that. I'm not sure if it'll actually come out to anything, mm -hmm. but um, uh, I went to like an alumni night just yesterday. And in terms of the topic of creation, um, my friend Diana, she said something very interesting in that she said that, you know, she gave a, gave a metaphor about us kind of being like, you know, nature seasons and that, you know, we have this natural like ebb and flow of like when we can be productive and when we need to rest and we um we need to really listen to that and like kind of know ourselves in that you know it's okay if we're creating and then not creating that's completely natural and to, I thought it was just really poetic in the way that she described it as like um you know 
the change of seasons of like fall, winter, spring, summer. Mm -hmm. Known as Toronto's most creative and wacky film festival, Insomniac Film Festival looks to celebrate works emerging from the lives and experiences of young Toronto filmmakers. This past year, Insomniac's team of brilliant programmers pulled 16 films, film teams together to create the broken telephone film Insomniac, the movie. We're joined by two programmers from this cool team, Kun Tudo, a lover of movies, sleep, and graphic novels, and Seb Dector, an ex-movie hater who joins the team <laughs> to ensure he doesn't have a relapse. <laughs> Welcome to both of you. Thanks for joining us today. Sorry, I didn't know that. <laughs> that uh, bio may have been uh, exaggerated for uh, comic effect. It's so good. <laughs> or not, who knows. Yeah, we were just discussing how it was like, ooh, this is the best... I guess, hook <laughs> the section. It's so good. You have to have mystery. Yeah. Bio. <laughs> People come to Insomniac to see Seb. Make sure <laughs> yeah, make sure he's okay. He's still yeah. So to start, we were just curious if you both can just share how Insomniac the movie came to be. And I think as Aaron puts it, how was the sausage being made? <laughs> Um, how was it made? Um, I guess I could tell from my perspective, so maybe you could chime in. But like, sure. I remember I, um, it was like our first meeting uh, when the lockdown happened. And we start our meetings with someone being like, all right, what's on the agenda? What should we talk about? And I think I, did, I started that meeting that time. And I was like, Okay, everyone, what's on the agenda? As if nothing weird has happened. Just like total normalcy. And then Funke was like, coronavirus! And, and we're all like, what do we do? Um, and I think like um, literally all of Insomniac ideas, it comes from <laughs> all of us like jumping on each other and like barfing out every single idea that even like barely sprouts in the surface of our heads. So we've seen each other all pitch like some really great ideas that had never come into fruition, but some really bad ideas. Some like ra random has nothing to do with movies, but we do them anyway. Mo ideas. <laughs> um, so I feel like it came from that. Yeah, I actually forgot uh, until recently that a lot of it was inspired by our friend Isaac and how like a year before COVID he had invited a bunch of us to do a like exquisite corpse which is basically what the film is like a broken telephone sort of idea where we each wrote one scene of a script and then you know we came out with like a 20 page script and we read it and um you were only able to see the scene right before yours um and so we wanted to try and uh adapt that onto a, a larger scale and and isaac was uh, even involved in making one of the segments Isaac Roberts, shout out to that guy. On that, I, I was going to say, it's really cool to, to hear that your team is full of ideas people, because <laughs> I feel like sometimes Aram and I, <laughs> when we have our meetings and we're like, this idea, okay, wait, 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 actually, let's pull that back because <laughs> it's not fully thought out. And actually, no, it's just an idea. <laughs> we don't have to do it. It's just an idea. But I, I guess on that, you know, I'm also, I'm really curious, like, at what point did the broken telephone format 
actually becomes a theme for the film. It's, it's hard to remember exactly how it happened. What I think is is cool about the movie is that I feel like it it um almost becomes part of the story, the broken telephone. Like it starts with the telephones, which was uh, the idea of uh, Omnia, uh, a team member, um, and um. I think throughout the movie, you see a lot of like the theme of communication and people trying to connect with each other, uh, even when it's difficult, which I think, you know, is the movie in a, in a nutshell as well. I don't remember exactly how we landed on the idea other than being inspired by Isaac or that, that brainstorming session. Oh, or those TikToks that like people drop like a makeup brush down the frame and then in the next TikTok like the next shot is like them receiving it from like the top of the frame. And it's like a series of friends all like glamming up. <clears throat> and it's that idea of like being in different places, but being within the same, in a sense, setting, like feeling connected through items. Um, yeah. And I think we thought we were like, maybe people will continue the story and like keep the same characters. And definitely after the insomniac team segment um the next filmmaker did that but then after that it just like went haywire which is like also what we expected <laughs> um but yeah it's pretty cool how that ended up happening you know you know i it's funny um uh i i think that this move the insomniac movie and Minari were our like two most anticipated films of the year. <laughs> and I'm not even shitting you because I remember like when, uh, when it was announced that this was coming, I was like, that's amazing. That's such a, uh, like such a creative way to engage people. Uh, and it's so fun. And, and, and then, and then, and then it was like, I, and I'm sorry to put you on the spot, but I think originally it was like, Oh, it's going to come out in August. And I was like, there's a movie, and I kept, like, I kept asking. I kept asking Kelly, "Did that? Did it come out yet? Did it come out yet?" She's like, no, I don't know. And so I'm, I'm glad oh, to have yeah. finally seen it. And then, then we saw, it and it's like came out same time as Minari. So there we go. <laughs> yeah, we we timed it on purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Box office yeah. wars. Two movies of equal yeah. quality. Oscar contender <laughs> time. You know, like a lot of movies coming out. Yeah, award season. Yeah, I mean, even the I think we we really wanted to because Insomniac's a summer event, right? So we did want to keep that energy. But in the summer with COVID, like it was so confusing what was happening. Towards the end of the summer, COVID started getting a lot worse. But in the peak of summer, we kind of were like, oh, it's not. Could we do an outdoor event? I don't know. Like, and because of all that uncertainty, it was really hard to make a decision. And we just really missed our friends and our community and we really just wanted to see people in person but as time was going on and we were feeling more and more uncertain it was just harder and harder to do that so we were just trying to think <laughs> between august and the premiere we were just trying to think of another way that was like fun and in and, and like engaging in some sort of way and i think that's how we got to the game Someone made a joke because we were we normally screen at the Royal Cinema, and then someone was like, "Oh, what if we just screened it at the Boyle Cinema?" And we just were like, "Oh, what if we made a whole game?" And then it just like steamrolled into that. Yeah, yeah. When I think when we originally conceived of the movie, I think like a lot of people, we thought, "Oh, COVID will be over in a few months. 
you know, we'll be finishing up the movie and then we'll be able to show it in the fall instead of like our usual summer festival. Mm-hmm. But. Um, yeah, I, I think on that, you know, we are also curious, like how much of the film, uh, I, like how, how did you guys keep the film under wraps? Cause I'm sure the other teams must've been really excited to see everything pieced together. Did everyone on the Insomniac team, already know what the film was looking like like how much of it was like a secret operation (laughs) oh i don't know sorry maybe i'm just making this super dramatic and it's not really that dramatic a lot lot of spreadsheets a lot of spreadsheets a lot of spreadsheets it was a spreadsheet it was a spreadsheet yeah. We would just chime in occasionally. And I think like one of our team members, Adam, he was putting it together, but he he just wait. He wanted to wait until all the films were in, I think. Um, and occasionally you could watch it like side by side, but you'd have to be like skipping through all the files. We did do like a filmmaker only screening because um, similar to you, Aram, like there was a lot of emails that we got from filmmakers being like where's the movie it ended weeks ago and we just we were just the guilt was building so we did a filmmaker only screening and then that was really sweet like it was really cool to see all the filmmakers together in like the same chat being really excited and then we had a habo hotel party after um which was quite chaotic some people were familiar with Habble Hotel. It's like a, <laughs> how would you describe it? An avatar-based like chat room. Yeah. Yeah, avatar-based chat room, Club Penguin-esque. A little like raunchier like a of a history. Game. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and then everyone, it was funny. You could see people's avatars and I would see filmmakers go up to each other and be like, I loved your movie. I loved your part. Thank you. And they're like, isn't it? And I just, it was just like the first time I had seen, and it felt like being at a party. I don't know, Seb, you were like, that's the craziest night I've had in months. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was fun. We, we stayed really late with like, there were, there were some diehards. There was like five people or something who stayed very late into the night discussing yes. on chat and have a hotel. Yeah, that's a very common like insomniac theme of like (laughs) after parties is like it'll be it'll like be a peak at the very beginning and everyone's like it's too hot in here or it's too chaotic and then a bunch of people will leave and then there's like the stragglers of like three or four people and it's like the strangest (laughs) night after that. (laughs) But I was gonna say with the with the production, which I thought was fun, was that we each had um, filmmakers we were kind of coordinating with. Um, and making sure they got their uh, segment in on time. So at first, I was watching them as they came in. Like every time one would come in, I would watch it. But then after a while, I wanted to save it for the film. I wanted to see them all in sequence. So I'm just curious. So were um, like how? What was the mechanics of how you did your? Uh, uh, they they only saw the one that was going to be in front of theirs. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So they could continue it okay. or not continue it mm-hmm. <laughs> as a yeah. few did. <laughs> so each filmmaker had a week. And so like by the Friday, they had to hand it in so that the, the Saturday morning we could send it to the next filmmaker. We did give some leniency. Like you saw there's animation and you're like, how the hell would they have done that in a week? <laughs> yeah, <totally. laughs> and so, yeah, or like things like green screen. So um, we did 
give some leniency of just like if you make it enough for like the other person give enough for the other person to work off of and for for us and for them to understand um and then you can keep working on it until whatever date Mm -hmm. so that was also we did actually in a sense have to wait till the very end because some people had like needed the whole time like the animation Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i was gonna say like 16 essentially 16 short films like that that was a pretty ambitious like project undertaking but it you you know it it was a lot of fun but yeah we are I guess curious like how how did the support look like for each project and like what were there some like unexpected I guess needs or wants from the teams like especially like as you said like you know navigating COVID plus I don't know um you know having to communicate maybe remotely that kind of stuff um well it it kind of varied obviously from filmmaker to filmmaker and this is only from my experience with my filmmaker Seb but like um so I don't know about yours as well but like there uh it varied from like oh you have to borrow my dusty lights that I bought impulsively in film school here you go (laughs) it's like gave them that and like a Chinese lantern I was like maybe you'll need this and some light bulbs Um, And they use that and it, but also like through, we also like offered a lot of like access needs, like, you know, Mm -hmm. a week is like a lot of crunch time and like not everyone has like the capacity to do that during COVID. Um, So yeah, like what I said, it's like give enough where you can do that, but we're just pretty lenient generally. And I felt like that was what we could do to help. And like, it's like, here's a way you can be involved involved, and like feel connected and make something that you hopefully are proud of. But like, it's also chill. Like, it's also okay. Things are happening in the world. You do not, please don't stress about this. This is like the last thing we want to stress you out on. Yeah, I think one of the things that uh, really struck me about watching it is, um, and I think Kelly, we were talking about this um, somewhere we were talking about it that just like the spirit of it um just really came through and you know there's certain energy that you feel in films or or that you don't feel in films um that really comes through in in terms of like how it was produced and the spirit behind it um so yeah i just really uh, appreciated that and her way you know what i mean <laughs> yeah 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 and i also think it helps that like um we, when we were programming it and pick after our calls for submissions, which was really difficult, I'd say, and um, it we we because normally we can look at films and we're like, does this match the spirit of what we are normally like what what we represent? Um, but it's harder on paper when people are describing their ideas or themselves, and the ideas are extremely loose because they have to see the thing before, um, and so a a a lot of it was kind of like, okay, how can we mix this bag of people to be enough people who have been to the festival and who are part of the community for us to like, you know, nourish the community that we do have. And then also like mix the bag up with people who are in proximity or people who have never heard of Insomniac before. And it's like, how can we create this, like this soup of chaos? (laughs) Um, (laughs) But in a way where it's like, we're not totally abandoning the people that we have built relationships with as well um yeah and like also giving them opportunity 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's the balance that we try and hit every year with the festival as well. We're, we're not just like programming the same few people, but also, um, yeah, there are filmmakers who we have relationships with who we've watched grow over the past six years. And um, I think the audience likes and, and uh, is happy to see. Um, so, yeah, we always want to try and find that mix. And it was cool to be actually commissioning work at this time rather than just... Um, watching stuff that's already made Mm -hmm. and we didn't we try not to interfere at all creatively but it's just cool to feel more connected to it and to to know that we helped make it in a small way do you feel like this is a covid film and i think just to preface that like i feel like as we move on um you know that comment of well that's a covid film whether because it's about covid or set in a time of COVID or, you know, the production value looks slightly different. Like COVID film, I think comes with like specific connotations. And, you know, Aram and I, we were always talking about, you know, you know, creative adaptability has always been, I think, part especially of the emerging and independent scene. And I think just hearing you both like speak to the importance of like nurturing and, and allowing opportunity uh, for those folks to create the work and if it's just a concept to still celebrate that. Um, so just curious like about your thoughts on that. Um, and yeah, I guess that question, do you feel like it's a COVID film? <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. I feel like I, you know, maybe selfishly or whatever, I just love the title that it's Insomniac the movie. Because I feel like it, it's like, you know, the Spongebob movie or whatever. It's like it's supposed, to, it's supposed to encapsulate what this thing is. It's like, you know, this version of what the festival is all smushed together into a movie, which I think is what we, not what we had to do, but it's something we had to, um, as you said, adapt to. And we came up with, this so that's our version of uh insomniac this year Mm. (laughs) i lost confidence in it halfway through no No! i think that's a great one it would no i'm giving you confidence that was great (laughs) thank you i was thinking on my second watch of it like in the in the public premiere um how because so much time had passed since the first one the first one had like all this anxiety of like the filmmakers watching it and um, it had been a year since, and there's so many things that are very early COVID, like pinnacle. Like um, there's reference to Tiger King in that in the beginning one, and there's like um, there and there's this interesting progression because it was made over a period of 16 weeks that you can see, you can see the energy of COVID um, heighten and disappear, like inter- not disappear because it was never gone, but like in the summer people could go outside they could connect with more people they could make filmmaker they could make films with bigger groups slightly bigger groups and feel comfortable with that in a way as opposed to in the beginning there's like some you're limited to your roommates or you're limited to yourself um so in that way for sure and there is like this and i can't tell like i i at the after party we used gather town which was funny as well. It also felt like a weird party and I was so nervous. I was like, oh my God, people's faces. Um, yeah, but some people's reactions were like, wow, you made something, it, it, it really 
felt like something so horrible like was just turned into something that was like a really interesting um opportunity and like experiment with these people and that was like one of the filmmakers um feelings around it and for me i um i felt like i could read that it was very of the COVID time of early COVID in which there was like a lot of optimism and stuff. And I, I'm curious if we hadn't started the project now, if that would mm-hmm. be any different. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But I'm not sure. Who knows? I don't, yeah, I don't want to spoil or anything, but <laughs> just even on the, on the COVID thing, maybe is a two an- answer to two questions, but um, Ari's segment, the second to last one, I think, I love all the segments, but I just think that one does such a beautiful job of being about COVID without being about COVID, mm-hmm. about like trying to find the like the need for human connection and to go outside and everything in a you know very unique character, and I think mm-hmm. that's that's very beautiful without ever directly referencing COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, he made something that uh, speaks to that moment, and I think there's a lot in the movie that's like that without. COVID's never mentioned in the movie, but you feel it kind of hanging over in a way that I think you you feel like the political situation hanging over a lot of, you know, art. Mm-hmm. But actually on that, uh, we have a little bit more time and I'm just so curious. I, we, we do want to know more about the game <laughs> in which you can experience the film so yeah just hoping that you both can like share a bit about the game that was created and and talk to that experience i don't remember how exactly we started on the conversations about the game Con, maybe you do but we wanted to do a video game and i think the only realistic thing we could think of was a uh, point-and-click text game, which Nara, our team member, is a big fan of and, and plays a lot of on, on Twine. Mm-hmm. And she felt, um, she gave us a, a whole list of, like, inspirations that uh, that she felt was, like, um, things that we could look at and, like, observe the writing of. And then within that, we were like, okay, how can we create the theater experience as much as we can through, like, a choose-your-own-adventure style? So we did... Um, email the filmmakers and our like 20 billion emails we sent them of like the movie's coming we promise and then we're like wait can we get these things from you actually before that happens um and we were just like hey here are the locations pick a spot and um write some dialogue we gave them like a format and they could go all out in it and it was so cool to see like the way people played with like being in the bathroom and we asked them to draw pictures of themselves um and it was great yeah yeah it kind of was like um it is kind of what it does feel like in real life when you are at the royal it's so hectic that night and there's just like so many people and you're like well uh, I could talk I don't know who to talk to and I guess this is like a more anonymous way to engage with people if you're feeling (laughs) introverted and like um not down not as down for the chaos these times so yeah some filmmakers were really excited and gave us like a lot of (laughs) texts and it was like we were like we it was the first time we have ever asked anyone to scale back 
in our entire lives. <laughs> we we love David. David rules. David is like the best. Um, but yeah, he gave us a 23-page script to record the game, and we were like, um, "This is like this is new for us. This is the first time we've ever been like this. Might be too much." <laughs> I'm so sorry. We are not paying Mina enough to for her to implement this right. all. So yeah, but it was wonderful. Like it, it just like it only warms our heart to know that like David is that excited and like him and his friends just like balled out and it was great. Amazing That's... Insomniac super fans as well as filmmakers David and his friends. <laughs> shout out! Mm-hmm. Lots of shout outs. Yeah. <laughs> this episode. Um, okay. I also want to shout out Lena because I think she did a, an amazing mm-hmm. job of having an art style where everyone's drawing of themselves kind of fits like it kind of looks like one cohesive thing even though literally everyone drew themselves in a different style i feel like (laughs) if we're extending the metaphor maybe to its breaking point that's what it feels like at the royal is like (laughs) everyone is very different and then in this one this one day (laughs) like they all come together and it makes sense as a one picture somehow in the festival That's that's wow, a that's really. Great. I was like that was so <laughs> poetic and and beautiful. <laughs> um, yeah. I, <laughs> I, I was working have... on it for a while. I had to make up for that question where I lost confidence. <laughs> well, I, hope, I hope it's back now. I I do have a kind of pretentious question to ask. <laughs> what Go for what it. do you okay? What do you both <laughs> think is the best or ideal way to now experience and watch the film? I don't know. Maybe it's not pretentious. I'm just <laughs> always hyping things up, I guess. Oh, and also, will there maybe be a part two? So you can maybe answer Ooh. either. Well, that's a great question. Nobody knows. <laughs> so do you know? I don't know. I don't. I feel like <laughs> our, our whole like uh, 2021 is very much a, a question mark right now with, with COVID mm-hmm. and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a that's a great idea. I mean, that would be so fun. Do it again. That would be so fun. Um, the best way to watch it is if you um, dim the lights in your room, bring your parent or whoever you're living with, maybe your roommate, and play the entire game. Every <laughs> single. I actually had a friend play the entire game from five to eight. Wow. From the moment the game had, she literally was like, I'm a completist. I had to do it. And she clicked on every <laughs> oh, wow. single one and read it. And I was like, oh my God, you are, you're something wow. else. You're incredible. <laughs> um, but yeah, if they, honestly, just through the game, um, maybe talk to some filmmakers, set the tone, eat some popcorn, watch it on YouTube. Backstory Podcast is presented by Toronto Real Asian International Film Festival. It's written and hosted by Aram Collier and Kelly Loy, and is edited and produced by Sungwoo Beck. For more information about the show, our festival, or upcoming events, check out our show notes. If you have any questions or comments, write to us at backstory@realasian.com. At